don't attempt to understand the modern poem. Listen to it. This is Interesting People Reading Poetry. And it should be heard. A show where artists and luminaries read a favorite poem and share what it means to them. <laughs> I'm Brendan Sturmer. In other words, if it ain't a pleasure, it ain't a poem. In this episode, Mary Mack reads Attention Please, Attention Please by Roald Dahl. Mack is a stand-up comic known for her unique style of oddball folk humor. Her latest album is Mrs. Taco Man. Roald Dahl was a 20th century British poet and novelist. My name is Mary Mack. I mostly make my money doing stand-up comedy. I occasionally help out at Taco Tuesday at my sister's bar. And I have a new CD coming out, which I'm going to plug right up front before people decide they don't like me. When I was in school, I thought I would be a serious person when I grew up. Um, but people kept laughing at me. I tried reading things for forensics contests in school. I think they call it debate or speech in Minnesota or something like that. Wisconsin, we like to call it, um, we like to keep our dramatic arts and our crime scenes as closely associated as possible. So we call it forensics. But I thought I had to read uh, serious stuff. And then um, I was pretty bad at it. So then I just got a hold of this Roald Dahl poem. My English teacher, Mrs. Schmidt, let me read this. And I got to read it at state and people laughed. So here's the opening of it. Okay. This is Attention, Please, Attention, Please. It's a poem by Roald Dahl. Attention, please, attention, please. Don't dare to talk. Don't dare to sneeze. Don't doze or daydream. Stay awake. Your health, your very life's at stake. Ho, ho, you say? That can't mean me. Ha, ha, we answer. Wait and see. Did any of you ever meet a child called Goldie Pinklesweet, who on her seventh birthday went to stay with Granny down in Kent? At lunchtime on the second day of dearest little Goldie's day, Granny announced, I'm going down to do some shopping in the town. Do you know why Granny didn't tell the child to come along as well? She's going to the nearest inn to buy herself a double chin. So out she creeps, she shuts the door, and Goldie, after making sure that she is really by herself, goes quickly to the medicine shelf, and there her little greedy eyes see pills of every shape and size, such fascinating colors, too. Some green, some pink, some brown, some blue. All right, she says, let's try the brown. She takes one pill and gulps it down. Yum, yum, she cries. Hooray, what fun, they're chocolate-coated, everyone. She gobbles five, she gobbles ten, she stops her gobbling only when the last pill's gone. There are no more. Slowly she rises from the floor. She stops, she hiccups. Dear, oh dear, she starts to feel a trifle queer. You see... How could young Goldie know, for nobody had told her so, that Grandmama, her old relation, suffered from frightful constipation? This meant that every night she'd give herself a powerful laxative, and all the medicines that she'd bought were naturally of this sort, the pink and red 
and blue and green were all extremely strong and mean, but far more fierce and meaner still was Granny's little chocolate pill. Its blast effect was quite uncanny. It used to shake up even Granny. In point of fact, she did not dare to use them more than twice a year. So can you wonder little Goldie began to feel a wee bit moldy? Inside her tummy, something stirred. A funny gurgling sound was heard. And then, oh dear, from deep within, the ghastly rumbling sounds begin. They rumbleate and roar and boom. They bounce and echo around the room. The floorboards shake, and from the wall, some bits of paint and plaster fall. Explosions, whistles, awful bangs were followed by the loudest clangs. A man next door was heard to say, a thunderstorm is on the way. But on and on the rumbling goes, a window cracks, a lamp bulb blows. Young Goldie clutched herself and cried, There's something wrong with my inside. This was, we very greatly fear, the understatement of the year. For wouldn't any child feel crummy with loud explosions in her tummy? To be continued. That was a real cliffhanger I left it at. Okay, so this poem was important to me because it still took me another 10 years to realize I should try doing comedy, but um, it made me see the value of entertainment and it made me um, realize people liked to laugh and have fun and there was still some artistic value in this you know, it worked for me because of my voice and God, and my voice doesn't always sound good when I'm talking about slavery. <laughs> <laughs> so I switched to the lighter topics <laughs> and I just donate to the people who do talk more about the serious topics. <laughs> There's a total artistic connection between stand-up comedy and poetry because so much poetry is all about getting the wording so concise and you're just rewording, rewording, rewording. And, and that's what the real meticulous, real craft of stand-up comedy is. I mean, like, there's, there's you know, the funny part and you can be funny without even um, crafting it, you know. And most of the time I'm vomiting out too many words and just being silly on stage. But when you have to do a television set and, and your time is of the essence or you're at a corporate dinner and nobody wants to be there, you have to be very short with your words. And um, and uh, Dylan Thomas' poems were are really great at that, being concise. And then um, there's a guy named Lewis Murphy somewhere around town here. I thought this was such a great concise poem. It's called Odds. Snow swings down like a thousand paratroopers. Grass will not survive even with 10,000 spears raised.
That's such a great visual and so short and so concise. Like, mm -hmm. that's a perfect joke. But it's not a joke. It's a poem. But that's how you write a joke. Mm -hmm. So um, when I start a joke, it's like five pages long. And the goal is to get it down to two or three sentences. Oh, really? <laughs> so, and I have a set that I'm, I'm supposed to do on television next week or the week after. And I keep shortening it, and I've been working on it for a year, and every time I go on stage, I'm just changing, like, four words, and that's it. But, like, last night I went out and did it, and my goal last night was to switch two jokes around. So that would be, like, switching two descriptive lines around in a poem. And then my other goal was to say, uh, instead of saying bunghole, I wanted to say the anal business of pigs. So, <laughs> yeah. Should I finish the cliffhanger? Yeah. Okay. Granny, at half past two, came in, weaving a little from the gin. But even so, she quickly saw the empty bottle on the floor. My precious laxatives, she cried. I don't feel well, the girl replied. Angrily, Grandma shook her head. I'm really not surprised, she said. Why can't you leave my pills alone? With that, she grabbed the telephone and shouted, Listen, send us quick an ambulance. A child is sick. It's number 50 Fontwell Road. Come fast. I think she might explode. We're sure you do not wish to hear about the hospital and where. They did a lot of horrid things with stomach pumps and rubber rings. Let's answer what you want to know. Did Goldie live or did she go? The doctors gathered round her bed. There's really not much hope, they said. She's going, going, gone, they cried. She's had her chip, she's dead, she's died. I'm not so sure, the child replied. And all at once, she opened wide her great big bluish eyes and sighed and gave the anxious docs a wink and said, I'll be okay, I think. So Goldie lived and back she went, at first to Granny's place in Kent. Her father came the second day and fetched her in a Chevrolet and drove her to their home in Dover, but Goldie's troubles were not over. You see, if someone takes enough of any highly dangerous stuff, one will invariably find some traces of it left behind. It pains us greatly to relate that Goldie suffered from this fate. She'd taken such a massive fill of this unpleasant kind of pill, it got into her blood and bones, it messed up all her chromosomes. It made her constantly upset, and she could never really get the beastly stuff to go away. And so, the girl was forced to stay for seven hours every day, within the everlasting gloom of what we call the ladies' room. And after all, the W.C., is not the gayest place to be. So now, before it is too late, take heed of Goldie's dreadful fate, and seriously, all jokes apart, do promise us across your heart that you will never help yourself to medicine from the medicine shelf.
Attention, Please, Attention, Please by Roald Dahl appears in the book Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, published by Puffin Books. Find a link to the book, as well as links to Mary Mack's albums and tour dates at interestingpeoplereadingpoetry.com. Interesting People Reading Poetry is an independent podcast, co-created by me and my brother Andy Sturmer, who also composes our music. If you like the show, help us out by subscribing on Radio Public, iTunes, or Stitcher, and leaving a review. As always, we invite you to call the Haiku Hotline at 612-440-0643 with your short poems and poetic musings. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Haiku Hotline. Thanks so much for listening. Counter melody. Something I whistle while I pay for my latte.